Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. On this Gem Sunday, we focus on the passage that has been the source of their theme all year. The psalmist reminds us that we will often feel like a post that has been hit many times, a wall that's barely holding on. But when we look to God, we find a mighty fortress. You're listening to Soul Fortress by Rev. Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading this morning is from Psalm 62. Psalm 62 is found on page 897 in your pew Bibles. And the reason the, the reading is chosen because today is Gems Sunday. And so my sermon this morning is, is aimed at the gems. So I've tried to have it I, I, in my mind I tried to write a sermon that would, would aim at about a nine-year-old. Now, I know that not all of you gems are nine. Some of you are older and some of you are younger, but I figured nine, if I have hit nine, then all of you would get something out of it. And not just them. Um, it is no secret that most of you like the children's sermon better than the regular sermon. <laughs> and I've long ago come to terms with that. I'm strong within myself, it's okay. And so there'll be something here for you too, I hope. We will read Psalm 62, and the reason we will read Psalm 62 is that that is the psalm from which the gems verse for the year comes from. Their theme is unshakable, and in verse 2 it says, I will not be shaken. I'm going to read it, and as I read it, you will notice, girls, that this uh, psalm is almost like a song that we sing in church. A lot like the song you just sang, Cornerstone. In this regard, it has verses, and then it has a refrain. This psalm has a refrain, the one that David wrote. If you look at verses 1 and 2, and you look at verses 4 and 5, they're almost the same. That's the refrain. The rest of the text is verses, okay? So let's read it and hear what David said. Here's the refrain to begin with. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now the first verse, and if you listen, this first verse is a kind of a worried verse. Okay? You can, if you listen to what David's saying, he sounds worried. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Now the chorus again, the refrain. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. And now there's that second verse, and you'll notice that it's kind of changed. He sounds more confident, almost like by singing the song, he grows in his assurance and in his confidence. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my, my, he is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. 
Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed in the balance, they're nothing. Together, they're only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your hearts on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. This is the word of the Lord. When I was nine years old, um, I could safely say that I had a good childhood. I grew up in a home that with lots of love and with lots of Jesus. My parents were good to me. I mostly got along with my brothers and sisters and just fought with them on an ordinary level. We had a great neighborhood. Our neighborhood was crawling with kids and I could safely run out my front door and just run all over the neighborhood and play and play and play and not worry. If I had to say what my life was like as a kid, I would say it was safe. It was worry-free. When I got up in the morning, I didn't have much to worry about. All I had to worry about was being a kid and having fun. Now, that does not mean that I wasn't sad sometimes. Like any kid, I cried. Like when I was really little, if I fell and skinned my knee, I would cry. If my brother got a bigger piece of ice cream than I did, I would sometimes cry. And if my mom beat me at cards, I admit that I would sometimes cry. But those aren't real worries, right? Those are just things that make you sad for a minute. Those aren't things that keep you up at night with worry. Just momentary things. That all changed when my family moved to England. I was 10. And my dad had a sabbatical in England for an entire year, so he took us all along. And I lived in an English house, in an English neighborhood. I went to an English school. And for the first time in my life, I was worried because I knew that I was different. I was strange. Now, all of you know, I think, that in England, they speak the same language that we do. They speak English, but they use different words for things. So, for example, and I will ask you these, and you guys aren't allowed to answer, only them. So, in this country, we talk about a truck, right? Driving in my truck. In England, they have a different word for it. You know what the word is? Lorry. Lorry. It's not a truck. It's a lorry. And underneath my robe, I got on these things. They're pants. They don't call them pants in England. You know what they call them? Trousers. That's right. And this one's really hard. If you were to go to Holland, Michigan, with your parents, you get in your car and you drive down the highway. When I was in England, so this is 1977, they didn't call it a highway, they called it a dual carriageway. <laughs> now they sometimes call it a motorway. So, if I was talking and I'd say to my classmates, hey guys, I'm going to put on my pants and get in my truck and drive down the highway. They'd look at me and say, what? You're strange. You're weird. You're different. And sometimes that difference led to me feeling like an outsider and them making fun of me. Like, oh, you're from Canada. 
oh, Canada's not a great country. England is a great country. What's Canada? What kind of navy do you have? You've got nothing. Or, and honestly, it got worse when this happened, because they couldn't tell the difference between a Canadian accent and an American accent, a lot of the times they thought I was American. And they would say, you're a yank. You're a dumb yank. It was actually the first time I experienced, and this is serious, anti-Americanism as a Canadian. One time, I was walking through the woods with my friends near my home, just me and another couple people, and some kids who are a little bit older than me heard me talk, and they said, it's a yank, and they picked up stones, they started throwing stones at me. I had to run out of the woods, get out of here, you yank. It was not an easy time. I look back on my time in England now, and I loved it. I learned a lot. It was by and large good. There were many great things. But it was also the very first time in my life where I worried, where I sat at night and wondered if I could fit in. I thought of that part of my life when I was looking at Psalm 62, the psalm that these gems we're looking at this year, because in that psalm, David, when he talks about his life, he paints a picture of how he feels. He compares himself to something. He says, I feel like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. That's the picture he paints of how he feels. And what kind of picture is that? Is that a good picture? Is that a good feeling, a leaning wall or a tottering fence? No. That's a feeling like if anything else happens to me, I'm going to fall over. I used to be a strong new fence, but so many people have bumped into me and hit me. If one more thing happens, I'm going to fall flat. I used to be a strong wall full of straight bricks. I stood up just like this, but people have crashed into me so often that if one more thing, one more thing happens to me, I am going to crumble. I'm a leaning wall. I am a tottering fence. David even says why he feels that way. He says he feels that way because people have been nasty to him. To his face, they're nice. Behind his back, they're terrible. With their mouths, they bless, but in their hearts, they curse. I'm a leaning wall. When I was in England... I think I felt like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. Maybe some of you know that feeling. And if you don't, you will soon. I'm sorry to say, as you grow up in this world, because being a person is hard. Maybe you have classmates or older brothers and sisters who feel this way sometimes. And when they do feel this way, they don't Talk, they don't, probably won't say, I feel like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. They will say, I have anxiety. I suffer from anxiety. I suffer from panic attacks. You probably know people like that. A lot of kids have that. And it means sometimes they feel so overwhelmed. So many things that feels like are smashing into them. They can't even hardly go to school. They can't do anything because they feel so anxious. What do you do when you have that terrible feeling? When you feel like if one more thing smashes into you, you're going to fall over. David tells us what he does 
in the refrain of his song. He says, truly, my soul finds rest in God alone. My help comes from him. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my fortress in which I take refuge. So that's interesting. David paints two pictures. We already said that when he painted a picture of his own feelings, he said he felt like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. When he looks at himself, that's what he sees. But when he looks at God, he sees something completely different. What does he see when he looks at God? He sees a fortress. A fortress that is set on a rock. A fortress that is so strong that nothing could penetrate its walls. You can fire cannons at it. All the armies of all the evil forces in the world could storm those walls and they could not break through. God is my fortress. David says that when he feels like a leaning wall or a tottering fence, there is a fortress that he can go to. He can go to that fortress and he can knock on the front door and they open the door of that fortress and it's Jesus who lets you in. And he brings you to his table and he sets you down. And as you're sitting in that place, you can feel the peace of that place. It's not like everything else in the world. It's a place of peace and rest. And he feeds you. And you tell him all your things. And he listens. And as he listens, you feel your strength returning. And he says to you, come anytime. Knock and I'll open this door. Sit at my table and I will feed you. And you will find rest for your souls. That fortress sounds like a great place, doesn't it? How do you get to that place? How do you find it? David seems to say that somehow you find it by connecting through your soul. My soul finds rest in God alone. Somehow this is a place that you connect with your soul. What does that mean? Here's another picture. This is my picture. When you belong to Jesus, when he puts his spirit in you, it's like that inside of your heart is part of that fortress. That fortress is in your heart with its strong walls. That fortress is built there by the Holy Spirit. And he keeps it. And he protects it. And everything else in your life could be shaking. But that place is protected and safe and secure. And it's a place of calm and it's a place of rest. Your eyes could be full of tears. Your head could be spinning around. Your whole body could be shaking, right? If you're really scared, sometimes your whole body stakes. But in that place where the Holy Spirit lives, there is always a place of peace kept by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's hard to know that that place is there, that soul fortress of God's love. And the only way you know it is when everything else around you starts to shake. You don't know that that calm place exists, that Jesus place, until everything is shaking. I want to introduce you to a name of a person. Her name is Irina Ratushinskaya. That's a terrible name to remember, so we'll just call her Irina. Irina was a person who lived in Russia when Russia was called the Soviet Union. That was a time when the communists ruled Russia. Now, Irina was a poet and a teacher. She taught kids. 
And because she was in a place that was ruled by the communists, she was told that when she taught the kids, she had to say to the children that God did not exist. There was no such thing as God. That's what she had to say. But Irina believed in God, so she didn't do that. She taught her children about God, and she taught them about Jesus and taught them about his love. And so the soldiers came, and the police came, and they arrested her, and they threw her in jail. And they didn't just throw her in jail. They threw her into what they called in those times the small prison, which was a prison inside the prison. You saw almost no one all day long. You got no contact, and there was no heat. So if you know what Russia is like, Russia is super cold. So she was in the wintertime shivering in this shell. So the police, the authorities, they were trying to break her. They were trying to shake her. But as she shook, she realized something. That there was a place inside of her where her faith lived, where the Holy Spirit lived. That all these things could be done to her. All these things could happen to her on the outside, but nothing could touch Nothing could change the love of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit in that place. Her body could be shaking with cold. Her tummy could be rumbling with hunger, but that place was safe and secure. Here's what she wrote. When you are in trouble, under pressure, God always seems closer. He was like a hand on our shoulder in that camp. No matter what is shaking on the outside, when you belong to Jesus, there's this unshakable place that you can live from. Here's the first poem that she wrote after she got out of the camp and was set free. She wrote poetry in the camp. What she would do is she would write it on bars of soap and memorize it before the soap was taken away. And she kept all those in her head so that she could publish them when they got out. This is not one of those poems. This is the very first poem she wrote when she was finally released. And if you listen, you can hear that it's a little bit like David's poem. Believe me, it was often thus, in solitary cells on winter nights, a sudden sense of joy and warmth, a resounding note of love, and then, unsleeping, I would know a huddle by an icy wall, Someone is thinking of me now. Truly my soul finds rest in God alone. He is my hope and my salvation. He is my rock. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. So much of what we do in church, you guys, so much of what we do in church for you and for each other is to remind each other that we have this place, that God has his hand on us that there is this fortress of his love in us and we're trying to encourage each other to live out of that place, to let that place fill us. Everywhere we go, we live out of that grace and that love and that peace. It's why your GEMS counselors work so hard. It's why I work hard in my sermons. It's why we do all these things for each other so that place can become the center of our life, the center of our hope and may fill us all in all so that we may be people who do justice, Love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Hear the good news, gems, and all you people. Your soul finds rest in God alone. He is your hope and your salvation. He is your rock. 
He is your fortress. You will not be shaken. Amen. Lord, in the silence of this place, it is good to be still and to remember that you are God so that whatever is shaking in our hearts and whatever is shaking out there in the world, there is a place where you rule and that place is the center of all things. And at the end of time, that will fill your peace, your shalom will fill this world all in all. Until that time, Lord, keep us faithful to you Keep our feet standing on your firm rock. Make us people of love in your world. Amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.